cool. 110% all day, everything. Let's go. Welcome to the show. Today, my guest is my brother again, Zachary Bird. Give me that little coffee chink. Good morning, sir. How was your run today? Good morning. How Man, far did you go? I learned so many things. Yeah, in your run? I, yeah, I learned so many things about life, the universe, and everything. Like, I basically arrived at 42. Okay. Ooh, what does 42 mean for those people who don't know? It's the answer to life, the universe, and everything. And where did it come from? Space. Um, it came from a giant project instigated by an alien civilization to find the answer to life, the universe, and everything. The procedure for which involved the creation of the Earth and starting it. It, the Earth itself is the uh, question. It is the, the machine they built to answer the question. Um, this is from The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, a book, BBC series, uh, modern movie. Um, yeah, very good stuff. Excellent. Okay, so Howard, how did you arrive at 42? Almost. We almost got the answer to Life's Universe and everything. It was incredible, for sure. I mean, the, the coolest thing is that uh, as opposed to blunt forcing my face into speed and distance until I died, I uh, listened to someone else who told me how to train, um, and the the they they were right, and it was incredible, and it makes sense that they're right. So, but you know what, the <laughs> what was it specifically it, that you learned about training that helped you do that? Um, so I've I've known what zone training is for a while. Um, I've never made a concerted effort to engage in zone training meaning um, tracking heart rates. There's generally speaking five heart rate zones, which go from like sitting here, normal heart rate to which is one all the way to five, which is like you might have cardiac arrest um, and die because yes. um, your heart's beating so fast. Um, so, or AFib. Um, and so, so yeah, so, so that's, that's the zones and, and they all correspond to different energy systems and fueling systems and stuff in your body in order for your body to accomplish them. I'm actually, uh, I've got red light on my feet right now, trying to uh, give them a little healing. Um, but, uh, and if I'm moving around too much, it's because I've got this huge spiky ball. Um, Yo, really... I actually literally, about three seconds before you pulled that up, I really thought about turning around and picking man up so that I, we have the same kit. And a lacrosse ball. Yeah, I'm sure we do. Um, yeah, so I'm over here rehabbing my feet if you're wondering why I'm dancing. Um, I guess I could actually dance. But, but yeah, so zone training. Um, yeah, so, so I, I did a, 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 instead of doing a distance goal, um, I did a time goal. So my goal was an hour at least and no more than 90 minutes. And the uh, zone was zone two to three. So start out in primarily zone two, shoot four, and into zone three. And I found out that that's really slow for me. It's really slow. I ran the first mile in like eight minutes, and I was in like, uh, I, you know, I ran a, a normal, you know, pretty chill mile, you know, eight minutes, something, eight, eight yeah, 50, 30 yeah. or something. Um, and, and, um, it was pretty chill. I didn't feel, it didn't kill me or anything, but, but I it gave me my heart rate, uh, readout. Um, and I was like, okay, yeah, I mean, I'm almost in zone five here. Like I'm, I'm pushing myself, you know, this is towards what, what would be called like race pace. You know, that's what you do. If there's no, if that's what the goal is, is to win, right. You, you push yourself as hard as you possibly can go. Um, yeah, so I slowed it way down. I went from an eight-minute mile to like anywhere from a eleven to thirteen-minute miles for the rest of the time, um, and it was hmm. earth-shattering um, because for so many reasons. Like the 
the coolest thing is it's it's the thing I kept re- like thinking every time I figured something out. I was like, wow, this is why you practice things slowly. You know, it's it's easy to do things wrong quickly, and it's it's much harder and takes much more mental uh, like grit and determination to do things good slowly, repeatedly. Like once you're like, all right, perfect, practice my golf swing. All right, cool, that's good. But to do that for for hours, yeah, not easy, hard. No, but yes. then but then you turn it up, and you go race pace, and you 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 don't have to. There's no practice. There's no learning. It's just doing. It's, it's the exceeding. same. Do you think it's the same concept as when I was in football and we had to run the same exact play over and over and over and over and over and over and over, and over again so that when we got to the game we ran it at full speed perfectly. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think it's the same thing. I don't, I can't speak too much to that, but I mean, it's this, you're, it's this, you're training the same muscle, which is your brain. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. So it's just so. creating that, that muscle memory or like, for instance, if we wanted to like, as a, as a running back, you know, we would be behind the, the, the football coach and you know, you're, you're squared up shoulders, shoulders in line with the quarterback. And we would literally stand there and for a couple hours, just take one step, one step, one step. 45 degree angle, 45 degree angle, 45 degree angle, over and over and over again. So that when that ball snaps in the game, your foot goes exactly where it's supposed to do, how fast it's supposed to do it, and with the exact power that it's supposed to. Yeah. One thing with running, like, though, also that was cool, and, like, this is something that I came that These are things that, uh, like everything, right, it's, 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 it's a grand journey to remembering, um, but the, and the key to remembering is experience, right? And, and you can read as many things as you want. You can read it as many times as you want, but really until you go do it and experience the results or the effects, um, it doesn't lock in that knowledge. I don't think, or then it becomes knowledge, um, yes. or it becomes like, remember it, a cap, it goes from knowledge with a, a lowercase K to a, an uppercase K, right? Um, cause knowing <laughs> is different knowledge. than knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but, but that, that one of the interesting things was that, um, that, that, it, because it's moving, because it's not like one step, one step, one step, like it's it's a little bit faster it was today, you know, like 13 miles an hour or 13 minute miles is not, uh, it's a snail's pace for running, but it's not slow for moving. Um, it, it was cool because like um, also all, uh, a cool thing that, that kind of sparked me to this point is that I saw another like what she must have been a professional runner like or, or at least she was a, a hobbyist runner that did this frequently and probably competes in marathons or something or or she just really loves to run but you could tell by her body that she was just her form was perfect like it was perfect her shoulders were completely locked in like loosely locked in perfectly just perfect sway no like hip swinging perfect little no impact steps like oh my god she, she ran past me and i was just like wow like all right cool but yeah, so I got to emulate her a little bit and I was going so slow that like, um, you know, the, the coolest thing I saw was like her shoulders and how her shoulders were, she wasn't like flex locked in, but she was loosely locked in and there was no like this at all. You know, it was just like a light side to side. And I was like, oh, okay. Like I've read yeah. that, you know, in World's Fitness book, he talks that? about, well, I mean, in World's Fitness book, he talks about it, you know, and he talks about how, you know, he went out to you the, move your shoulders a lot. Uh, yeah, I mean, he talks about perfect running form in there and, and what the ideal is and, and that no one has perfect running form and it's all about crafting your own, you know, really based off of what the ideal is. And, um, but, but yeah, yeah, he talks about that, about, you know, the shoulder swing and that kind of thing. And like I said, I've read it and I've seen it, but I've never run slow enough to 
practice it. <laughs> That's cool. I'm always... That's really cool. So, like, is was that the first time that you ever trained at a slow pace, like in running? I don't know, but it's the first time I've consciously done it as part of a training regimen. So this this was the first long long run in my training new training program that's three sprints a day um one long run mobility day and you mean three days of sprints yeah three days of sprints um and and yeah so it 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 just it's it's incredible like it's um after a week of that you know normally like last month uh, doing a, a week of training would have me beat. And like another insight I had today is that like when, sprinting is valuable, right? And, I, and it's make it's becoming clearer to me. I can feel why it's good. Yes, um, because it's totally, because it's crazy. Because like if I go do a run like I had been doing, like running you know ten miles and pushing for seven minute miles, you know, like um, I could probably do it, but my body doesn't understand that that's uh, I'm, I'm not giving my body a, the correct messages to let it know that I want to be able to keep doing that. I'm saying we're not stopping and it's like, okay. And it's my body stepping up to the plate and it's bringing everything to bear. Right. So I'm probably eating into my like phosphate stores and my calcium stores. My bones are probably getting metabolized, yeah. you know, like doing that. Um, and so it, you know, through, you can sustain a month of that, but after a month, your body's like, all right, bro, we're done. You're going to get sick. <laughs> You're going to have to take a break. Your feet are going to fall apart. You're going to need to do some rehab yoga. Like, and that's, that's been my experience. Ultra, like I saw a super duper duper like ultra marathon runner who's been doing it for years the other day get like cancer all over his body. It's like, well, dude, what? Know. Like if, if it felt like, <laughs> like if, if hey, your health cool, but what about my cup? <laughs> nice. If, but I mean like if you're training to that degree like you just said and you're diving into your glycogen scores the calcium stores and the phosphate stores whatever and eating your fucking bone away then like it it just kind of made sense to me to see somebody who's been doing that to their body every single day for years and years and years and years and years their body was like fuck you i'm getting cancer Mm, i mean i i don't i would i would probably interpret that differently to me i'm probably curious what they eat and how they eat and how they recover because like i mean i think humans are definitely capable it's all metabolism right like whether it's cancer whether it's whatever it is it's all a, a, like metabolism is the engine that drives things or regresses things and so like i think that i would i would be very curious to see what their regime was was like i don't i wouldn't and i definitely would be really hesitant to point at their training as the cause of anything i think that it's very hard to go wrong with training um especially if it's something that's a practice um like that you know like the the that what i would look at is like supporting factors right because like the there are crucial things that you have to give your body and like the training all it's going to do is move when how and and how much you're doing those things and so if you're not keeping up with the demands that the training is putting then that's going to cause the imbalance then that's going to cause the issue but the training itself yes if i go run for a week straight pushing for seven minute miles, I will develop a deficiency, right? But if someone who's been, who has done the hard work to train slowly up to being able to run, you know, 300 miles a week, you know, I don't think that poses the same issue. That's to a them. thing. I don't know. I'm just making numbers <laughs> up, but like, um, but I imagine it is. I mean, yeah. humans are pretty impressive. So, but I mean, you know, it's, it's, to me, it's more like, 
and we maybe we're saying basically the same thing, but I, I, I think to me it's it's very um it's very easy to say, Oh, they train too hard or too too much and that's like eh, they probably just train normally. That's probably normal for them. And then they, you know, didn't keep up with something else or that there was some some other environmental factor. Cancer is in all of us, right? And it's all about um, all the time and it's pops up and goes away and we don't ever know about it. And that's natural. That's how cells work, right? They're, um, they, they live, die, grow too big, get killed, get eaten. The body reacts, the, the things happen and that's a cycle, right? That's cancer is part of the body. That's part of the body. That's how, how, how things work. And, and so when things happen like that, it's usually more of an environmental thing, you know? Um, and, and our bodies are an environment, right? And, and yeah. the external environment's an extension of that. So, Hmm. Interesting. That's really interesting thought. So I guess, I guess that's probably why, like, I kept my training pretty much exactly the same, but had to change everything else so that my body could keep up with the training that I wanted to do. Right? Because, yeah. you know, because the only way that I'm able to keep up with my training is by doing lots and lots and lots of hot and cold water therapy fucking 15 to 20 minutes of foam rolling every single day lots of stretching three days of yoga a week like fucking massive quantities of turmeric every day fucking everything man but with, with, with one of those things not there my knee starts hurting right it's interesting yeah well you know what you should do is just drink this and you'll be fine you wouldn't need to do any of that Ah, whatever, dude. I drink most of it in that thing all the time. I was doing, I was doing raw eggs in my shake, but then I was just like depleting my egg stores way too fast. <laughs> it's like, I need this the last two weeks, bro. <laughs> dude, it's it's people scramble for nootropics and for brain boosting chemicals, and they ask if they can have it in a pill form, and they don't know that they just have to eat an egg, an um, egg, and um, liver. I mean, you know, B vitamins <laughs> and choline and omega acids, like, it's what your brain's made of. Yeah, yeah I mean, I guess what, if that, the, the, the yolk is the thing that makes life anyways, or feeds the life, or turns into life, whatever you want to call it. That shit's fucking crazy, bro. Eggs? eggs? Yeah, eggs trip me the fuck out, like, of all kinds, from all animals. Yeah. Dude, especially fish eggs, like they poop them out and then well, I guess they all get disseminated afterwards. Wait, no. Don't some fishes get disseminated inside of the fishes? Like salmon? Like don't the fucking the daddies come over there and go boop, 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 and then they spit the eggs out? I can't say that I'm well versed enough in fish reproduction to be able to tell you an answer to that. <laughs> Dude, I think I learned that from Les Stroud, bro. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know dolphins and some like sharks have really cool like spiral egg sac things that's cool maybe not dolphins maybe some shark maybe like nurse sharks or something i mean nurse sharks are born alive i don't know There's some kind of shark that has some spiral egg thing like i said i don't know enough about fish reproduction yeah fuck that um um so are have you decided that you're gonna run the run race with me when i run the race oh yeah bro i got you whatever cool cool and your your days off for sunday monday now Mm-hmm. Perfect, because I moved the race to Sunday. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. I just uh, I feel good. I mean, the only the only reason I was questioning it like two weeks ago is because like my training was killing me. I didn't know I didn't, there was no way I could have sustained that. Yeah. Um, I feel thank you. God I read a five hundred page book and figured out. Um, you know, 
or how I was going wrong. That's fucking beautiful. What book did you read? Uh, Beyond Training. I don't have it next to me, but who's it by? Ben Greenfield. Um, it is cool. It's basically um, his years of experience running triathlons and stuff, and transitioning from the world of uh, carb doping to uh, and and glycemic roller coastering to um, the kind of lower carb ancestral ketogenic paleo sort of primal training methodology and figuring out um, and he kind of codifies like or goes through his journey through that and then kind of codifies how one can do that on their own if they you know if it's for kind of like a lay person he kind of lays out how to if you don't have eight hours a day to train you know how you would go about crafting a program to achieve uh you know peak results in competitive you know sports like that like triathlon or marathon or biking or swimming um so it's cool yeah he goes through a whole bunch of stuff i mean i think the most valuable um you know i was able to you know i followed him for so long that it was mostly connecting a lot of dots for me as far as specifics for training programming um and a lot of the other stuff is is stuff that he talks about regularly so it's not i I was able to skip a lot of the book because it's I could repeat it already. Um, so like, that was cool. I oh, mean, a lot of a lot of reading the book was connecting dots for you. All almost all of it, yeah. Okay, I I thought you were saying like most of the time when you're listening to Ben Greenfield, it's connecting the dots. Gotcha. Okay, yeah, that's how I felt with Boundless because like I'm reading it and unless there's something very specific that I don't know that I want to know that I found in there, it kind of feels like I'm reading what I've just heard him say every single day. Right, which is cool, you know, and it, it's forced repetition of the mind, right, of concepts, you know, it's, it's like, I, yeah, I was doing that today, too, when I was running, I was like, uh, I was like, um, I had to really, there's a really steep hill that goes up to my house, and I normally maintain my same fast pace and run up the hill, and I get to engage my glutes real hard and my quads, um, and it's great, it feels great, and I feel super powerful, and like, if I can keep my mouth closed the whole time and breathe through my nose, I'm like, ugh. And get to the top but today i like i had to slow down because i was i was trying to stay in my low heart rate and i had to slow way down i was running slower than i walk <laughs> that's and really it was, interesting it was really hard to maintain my form um but it was cool because i was like thinking about it and and i discovered like a little muscle in my back i didn't know i needed for my posture i didn't know it was there until today um, but I clicked it into place and I was like, all right, cool. And it was much easier to maintain my posture and, and, and run in that speed. But, but I was thinking about the, how, how much I slowed down and how, how hard I was thinking the whole time. Like, I was like, I was thinking it about it. Like, so I was like, it's I was so like, dude, hard. yeah, I was, I was running and I was like, dude, I do this a lot. I run a lot <laughs> like for compared for myself, you know, like maybe yeah. not compared to like a, a professional, but like I run a lot and and every time I run, like I don't wear headphones, I don't listen to music, I don't, uh, I don't think about almost anything other than running. Um, I'm almost 100% focused on form the entire time, even for today, like an hour long, hour and a half run. Um, yeah. I, I li- literally think about nothing else. That's so crazy. Um, I turn on music and check out. Oh man, I, I just like. I because uh, because of my experiences in the past getting really hurt like like when I had runner's knee um, and when I've had other little injuries like it's so dangerous to me and I'm like I, I'm like okay like I'm here to do one thing and that's not get hurt 
And so I guess like, that's true. Yeah, I have been noticing. Like, I, I guess I don't. I, I in, historically, I have just turned on music, checked out, and gone really hard. But in the past couple of weeks, I've had to. I still, I still like to turn on the music and kind of check out, so I can get into that like running flow state. But I have been spending drastic amounts of effort on making sure that my I I dude I learned something from from Paul Check the other day. Um, he was talking about how running one race with an injury can fuck up the your form for years to come. So, yeah, because you're you're because you're in like theta brain state and you're like completely in the zone. You're if you're completely in flow and you're. You're directly riding to the hardware when you're in a race, you know. Um, yeah. well, well, he was saying he was saying that in one mile of a typical race person, you're going to take about seven thousand steps. So if yeah. I ran, I like for instance, my first half marathon, I ran thirteen point three miles with an injured left ball of my foot, which is what you're supposed to fucking hit the ground with. So when he said that, it clicked, and I was like, fuck. I was like, I must be subconsciously not running on the left ball of my foot. And that's why my left runner's knee won't go away. And so, so as soon as I heard that, I switched it up. And I've been paying really, really close, hardcore attention to my left foot as I hit the ground and, and strike the floor. Uh, and I have, like, I haven't had any knee problems since I started doing that. So, yeah, it's fucking yeah. magic. But it's so yeah. fucking hard because apparently I've been running two years incorrectly, completely. And like I can even look down at my thighs and the, the where where my muscles have um, formed, like different muscles have formed bigger on different thigh on the, the thighs. Like there's like a there's like an indention on my left thigh where on my right thigh it's really full. And I think that's because I've been compensating with my right leg. Yeah. No, that makes sense for sure. Yeah. I, it, 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 it is insane. Like it, it's crazy how adaptable the body is and how easy it is to, you know, it's about training. Right. And, and, and how I, I think that lesson goes both ways though. Right. Because like if, if we can teach our body something in one race, then we can teach our body something in one race. Exactly. Which I'm about to run 15 <laughs> miles today, which is farther than what I ran to teach myself the wrong thing. So today I have the opportunity to reprogram my brain to do the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. fucking crazy yeah. yeah it's it blows my mind when i think about running like in all respects just because but i think the craziest thing is and today it was so like i was like i legit have like i very rarely get what people refer to as a runner runner's high i know what it is <laughs> I've, I've had it um i but like working running is like a extra it is like the largest math problem to me it is and i just i crunch it until it's done you know and like it is it is Im Im unimaginably complex every second that i'm doing it and and any second that i stop thinking about it like that um it i my form goes way way out and and stuff starts hurting or i start breathing wrong and i'm out of breath and my heart starts racing and i'm like all right cool that's what it is <laughs> back to crunching numbers yeah, I mean, I, I've been trying to figure out how to breathe properly because, you know, you can be like if you run, if you if you start running 
with improper breathing and you're just breathing through your mouth the whole time and you get to mile like five but you're gonna be fucking you're gonna be fucked up but it, like if you notice when you get to that mile five the thing that your body naturally does to recover is you start going <sighs> so why wouldn't you just do that the whole time yeah which is I fucking just, hard it's fucking hard especially with, I me mean, with my broken ass nose i mean the biggest thing for me is that like you're not you don't train to breathe while you run you train to breathe every other second of your day that's true yeah i mean like it's been taking like i've only known that nose breathing was a thing for like three months (laughs) like i didn't nobody ever taught me that like i mean i heard mouth tape bro yeah i'm gonna buy some but but what (laughs) what i've actually been doing is on my runs i'll put like a a half a gulp of water in my mouth and keep it there Oh, so that's good yeah 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 so i've been or like a pebble or something yeah well it's for me for me well for me the water works because like I'll, I'll put enough to where i can move it to just in my front lips like dip and then like still have the spit in the back and then swallow it so i can get rid of the the dry throat while keeping the mouth the water in my mouth and so i've been training my so i've been doing two things with this i've been training myself to breathe properly and to to train my body to be more efficient with water um because i was waterlogging myself as well i was drinking maybe a liter and a half of water every fucking six miles <laughs> well, and because because i because i smoke weed before i because I, I smoke weed before i run so i have cotton mouth when i start running and it's like the arizona sun so like you just sip on it and then the cotton mouth comes back and you sip on it again and cotton mouth comes back and you sip on it again but when you have cotton mouth if you keep water in your mouth you never get the cotton mouth whoa yeah ah yeah. so my mouth stays dry and my body doesn't get as thirsty and every time my my throat gets dry i just move the water to the front of my mouth swallow the spit and then i'm good to go and i can just i can take one to two gulps of water every two to three miles rather than every fucking lap around a track yeah yeah i found that sprinting without drinking really helps with that like just going doing a sprint session like probably not more than four sprints but like doing four total sprints with recovery times or whatever without drinking your body's like i need water i need water you're like no chill 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 and and it's like okay cool yeah it's Um, it's like and it's so fucking cool because the moment that you said something about being waterlogged, my brain clicked. I was like, oh, got it. I understand exactly what needs to be done. And just knowing, like, what is happening is, like, a fucking superpower. Because the moment that I understood what was going wrong, I was able to do something about it, change it, and solve the fucking problem. Like, I don't know. I, like, and, and I also, when when you told me that, I thought back to when I first moved to the desert. And I didn't like i never drink water when i was running because in dallas when you because i was i was never really running past three to five miles and in dallas you can run three to five miles without water at all and you'll be fine and for most of the year and so i moved here and i wasn't used to bringing water on my runs at all so i was in this fucking arizona desert sun going one two three four five miles without fucking water for 
six, seven months before I even started trying to like actually get into running. And then I think it was you, you were like, bro, you need to take water out there. You're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> so I started running with that little water pack and I guess the, the falling off the wagon and not running for a while made me just forget all of the things that I learned. <laughs> Yeah, your, your body, like, it, it's easy. It's easy to do it, man. Your body's, like, it, it seeks homeostasis at the lowest energy expenditure possible, you know? Yeah. And it takes a lot of energy to maintain without water to, to, to do things, you know, at, at a high-performing level. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I, yeah. I think that, you know, I, I feel, notice, like, if I, I, I will feel the second I've drank too much water, my body's, like, Phew. I'm, like, ah, oh, dang it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'm not that in tune, but for instance, on Wednesday, I went on a six mile run and I was going to do nine miles total, but I found a tire that I wanted in an alleyway, like a mile and a half away. So I got, I went back home, grabbed a strap, and then went to the tire and I was going to pull it back. Because I saw this video of this guy like running through the forest with the tire behind him and like it looked really fucking cool. And I was like, wow, that guy looks like a fucking beast and it looks like a great workout. I did not consider how difficult it is to pull a tire behind you while it's dragging on the ground. How far did you get? A uh, quarter mile. Did you leave it there? Well, the strap broke, so yeah. Bro, you should have picked it up. I'm going to go. You, get, wait, no, couldn't you roll it? It rolls. I know, I know. I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna, <laughs> I want to actually, I want to actually carry it back to the house. So I'm gonna, uh, like, I probably next paycheck I'm gonna go buy like an actual rope or something that I don't think will break. Want to drag it on the concrete for a mile? Maybe a, a cable, like a cable, like a bike chain cable. I have a bike chain cable. I can just put, I could just put the bike chain around it and tie the strap around that. That way, the strap's not on the ground. There you go, bro. Don't even have to go to the store. Excellent. Look, you just you figure that out all on your own. <laughs> See, this is why this is why I don't make impulsive decisions sometimes. Sometimes. Yo, thinking about things before they come out of your mouth or you do them is crazy. It's a superpower. Sure. Yeah. Dude, oh, the headless way. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. Tell me about it. Um. It, it's it's very. I don't know how I feel about it, but it makes me feel better when he says this is simply an experiment from looking at it from first person. Makes you feel better? Does it scare you? Well, he says, <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like he's he's teaching you that you're nothing, man, and it's tripped out. You're just yeah. space for the world, bro. Like, yeah. What the fuck is that? Yeah. That's so crazy. Like, what does that even mean? Yeah. <laughs> I think the craziest part is when he talks about the mirror stuff and does the mirror exercises and you like look at yourself in the mirror and you like get in the headset he's talking about and it's like I haven't done that part yet that's really tripped out you're like oh what am I looking at what is that what is that in the mirror yeah dude it's like yeah from first person you're nothing but space like you don't know if your head's there dude fucking A dude like what is that my, favorite, my favorite ones that are the most useful to me um, are like when he's talking about the fields of experience, you know, like the auditory field and the visual field and the mental field and how they have, they're boundless. So yeah. like, you know, I like to combine that with like standard mindfulness and like, 
and it, that's that's my hack to get it just drop into mindfulness you know um when you know sam is in his meditations is like all right now just arrive you know and like Dude, i've fucking he, gotten into a master at that it's it's the most wonderful feeling in the world but even in like stressful situations when when i, I like it's it's maybe doesn't seem feasible and i'm like actually in, really emotionally involved if i just like listen and and listen for the edges of my hearing i'm like <laughs> yeah immediately yeah, wow. yeah or like think towards the edge of your thought with your eyes closed <laughs> that's crazy huh yeah or like try and find the edges of your visual field bro i had i got so frustrated yesterday that it's so cool because meditation is a superpower like i'm not to the point where i can be in the moment and go and then be done in like that split second like i still get really fused <laughs> yes <laughs> but at least i can like recognize it as it's happening and stop the physical reaction in this world from occurring such as yelling hitting the table or like physically getting frustrated um right. and for instance um i recorded a podcast with sterling last week or this week and he was 25 minutes late and i was sitting here just like like thinking to myself like three years ago bro i would be screaming and yelling at this motherfucker and I would be so angry. I would probably be so mad that I didn't even want to do the podcast anymore. But I just sit there and I was like, <sighs> for like a few minutes. And I was just thinking about being mindful about how stupid this was and that everything is just an appearance of consciousness. And combining that with um, loving what is and like everything is happening exactly how it should be and if you're trying to argue with reality then you're arguing with god and you can't really do that and you're wrong so it was just like this weird instance of recognizing a place that i used to be feeling that same exact way and then using a new tool and superpower to overcome it yeah yeah it's tripped out when you like um yeah, that that was kind of how I how I felt like after this week, you know, in ret I have you know an hour and a half of running this morning ish to do retrospect on on the week and just feel my body and get really into it, you know, and my solving my massive massive math problem while I'm running, you know, like part of that is checking really really checking in with my body and, and saying how are you feeling and what do you need and that kind of thing and and it was cool because you know I feel like in the last week I've implemented just a a whole toolbox of tools that I got in the last, you know, I've been accruing them for a long time, um, but I really, you know, got them to the point where I could, you know, put them into place this last, um, this last week. And, and after, and just feeling into that, you know, it was cool because it's all these practices that um, uh, aren't intuitive because of the, the environment we, we live in, in in 2020, but like maybe they are to our natural state, but but we have to go to other people and seek those answers to be reminded of them to be able to re-implement them and like it's cool to to do that and then see the results and then feel the downstream and how that changes the processes that were in place before you know because like after after going on a run today I'm like okay like last month when I did my you know my long run uh, I was like all right I might not live I like might legit might die if I do this for another week um, I feel miserable my 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 gut is out of balance. I'm in depression because my 
my gut is sucking nutrients out and, and starving me of serotonin. Like, uh, and, and, and today I went on my long run and I'm like, all right, cool. I got a little twinge in my knee. That's pretty normal. Um, you know, it's the first long run in a week. Uh, all right, we're good. good. And I was like, Oh wait, wait, what? Wait, feel good. This is not, this is supposed to work. Right. Like, oh, wow. I'm supposed to feel like I'm dying. And it was cool because like, and that was the thought the whole time, you know, my, I kept like my pace would speed up a little bit and my heart would start beating and I'd hear my, my pulse in my ear. There's something weird, like my ears clogged or something. I could hear my pulse in my ear today, <laughs> but it was actually kind of useful. Um, yeah. cause like I would get up to like 150, 155 beats per minute and now we go, I was like, Oh shit. How are you keeping pace in your, your heart rate? Do you have a smartwatch? Um, I have a, I have an OH1, a polar OH1. It's does it tell, does it have monitor. a screen on it? No, um, but I just hear the every mile it tells me. It tells me my the the Polar Beat app tells you your average heart rate for the last mile. Okay, that's cool. It gives you your it gives you a readout. It says like you know mile one done, average pace whatever for that mile. It doesn't give you an overall average. It says average pace for that mile, and it says average heart rate for that mile, and tells you what's up. That's cool. I uh, I couldn't find a way to to change the pacing on that app, so I don't think I'm going to use it. I mean, there's there's a plethora of apps like Garmin. Garmin has their own ecosystem as well, yeah. Um, for apps, I mean, and and they have a bunch of products as well with like watches and different things. So I just I'm not very big into quantifying my workouts. Like I don't. That was something that hit me. It really hit home today with me too. I saw this guy go past on a bike, and he had like the the big old reflective glasses and like the shiny helmet and gloves and bracelets and armbands and stretch whatever that's tight uh compression gear on and wind gear on and like bike shorts and butt pad and like knee pads and like nice shoes and long socks and and i was like all right you look like a, a sick robot dude i'm like you you're, you're a badass right but i was like uh and i, I like celebrated that guy i said hello to him like several times he's a cool dude but i was it made me reflect on how i felt you know because i'm out there with the bare minimum stuff on you know i've got shorts um a heart rate monitor and my phone on my back, you know, and some water bottles. And, um, and are you frozen? Huh, I am frozen. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Just turn your video on and off. Mm, it's doing a little loady load circle dirko, which is weird because my computer is actually like plugged into the internet. weird hey i see you yeah okay what's up Did you just switch back to the other one no it just it loaded blacked out and then i turned it back on i think you switched back to your other camera did it mm -mm. Huh. okay um yeah but what i was saying is that that guy going past me on the bike it was definitely like it just made me reflect like what, how do I feel about what I'm wearing and like my technology use and, and do I feel like I need more um, shiny things or not? And it was cool because I felt really good. And honestly, my feeling is that I want less and less. And I was reflecting on how I was using my like self-quantification and if it reflected that, you know, if it was in alignment with how I want to be as far as like, you know, uh, as natural as possible and, 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 you know, without, without denying any, any leverage points I could have with technology, you know? Um, so like, it was cool because, you know, by, by wearing a, you know, some, a lot of runners and, and athletes will wear like a watch, right. And have everything tracked on their wrist and watch it. Well, I've opted to go for, 
um, like an aura for for my daily. I use it primarily for sleep tracking and for tracking my caloric burn on a daily basis so I can, you know, eat accordingly. Um, but it's very, I don't have to do anything for that. I don't and engage with it in any way. It's very low impact. And then um, I use the polar heart rate monitor for running. Um, and what that allows me to do is not have any screens. I don't have any screens. There's nothing I check constantly to for information. I have no readouts. Um, so, so it's cool because 99% of my uh, quantification is, is intuitive, right? But I also get to check against what the technology is telling me. So every mile, you know, it'll tell me, hey, you've been in this zone. And I'm like, okay, cool. I, I roger that. I feel that. I felt okay. That's what that feels like. And it gives me like, but, you know, that's cool because it's training me to do it myself rather than training me to rely on it. Right. Right. That makes sense. Yeah, I guess I'm doing the same exact fucking thing, just minus the heart rate. So I'm just tracking my pace. Just fucking, it's it's very interesting to to be able to to be on a run, have it tell you, and then adjust accordingly. Like, fuck, I need to go faster. Fuck, I need to go slower. Or like, or, or, or you know, when it tells you you're going that fast and you can directly correlate that to something or a sensation that you're having inside of your body. It's like, oh, okay. I know that when I, I run a 752 mile, it feels like this. And when I run an 830 mile, it feels like this. And the 10 minute mile, it feels great. It feels awesome. It's fucking weird. The body is a very strange thing, and it kind of tells you exactly what's going on when it's going on. <laughs> yeah, the uh, it, that reminds me. I'm reading this book next, or uh, next. I'm reading. I read several simultaneously, but yeah, I'm reading like this, six books. Yeah, it's it's definitely cool. I don't. Did you hear it? I don't know. Um, I've always like been interested in like speed reading and stuff, and I can do it. I don't. I don't usually do it because it's not super valuable to me, and it's it's like it's like long division. Um, it, it's um. But and I get more enjoyment from not doing it, and I think enjoyment is like a big part of reading for me. Yeah. But like, there was some podcasts the other day, and there were the dude was like, "How do we? How do you read more? How do you do it?" And he was just like, "Make reading like breathing, you know. Put books everywhere in your house and read them at every opportunity you can. If it's thirty seconds or twenty seconds or a minute or five minutes or an hour, um, just pick one up and read it." And he was like, "Well, well is it better to focus on one or to do many?" And it's like, doesn't matter. Make it like breathing. Put them all around. If you have multiple copies of the same book, if you have different copies of multiple books, um, then, then just do it. It doesn't matter. Um, and there's no reason, um, that you can't, uh, have, you know, uh, 15 different books at once. It's, it's all about, um, your engagement with any one book at that specific time you're engaging with it. Um, so, so that, that was, that was like, I was like, aha, okay, cool. Got it. Yeah. I think it's really, really cool that your body or your brain can compartmentalize the different books. So like, for instance, I'm reading this book, and I'm reading this book, and I'm reading this book, and I'm reading A Course in Miracles, and, you know, I've kind of dabbled in the other one, but each time that I pick up one of the new books, my mind instantaneously gets on track with whatever I had read previously within that book. And it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't like, it doesn't mix them up, it doesn't, you know, it's not like, fuck, did I read that in this book or did I read that in this book? You read the book and you're like, oh, okay, I know exactly. You just pick up where you left off. That's yeah. actually, I never really realized that until right now. That's cool. It's like, a, it's, it's cool to think about it like that. It's like a microcosm of like the journey method, you know, like uh, a good way to think about it is like the memory technique, the journey method, which is, you know, th the easy way to explain it is that you take a route that you're commonly, uh, that you have 
com- that you walk that you walk or drive commonly. So like for me, it would be my running path. Right? I, I, I run the same path every single time. I can close my eyes and tell you every single turn, every single step, every single thing along that path. And I didn't try and do that. It just happens normally because that's when you travel, your brain is a human brain is designed to, to track and remember um, the environment so that you know how to find your way home or, or you're, you're just intuitively built to do that. And so um, the journey method takes of memory takes that skill and builds um, because of that journey, the, 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 the low Loki um, loci uh, is in your long term memory. Well, then you just take things you want to remember in your short-term memory. So a, a book you're reading or something like that, um, or facts and figures or whatever, um, you can remember anything and you just tie it to location. So you say, all right, turn one mile marker, you know, 0.25436 is, uh, you know, next to a tree. And so I think, you know, uh, uh, something makes some funny image of about the tree next to that mile marker, right. And tie that into mnemonically meaning sounding like, um, the thing I want to remember. So, you want to remember like a, I don't know, an apple. You can think about Newton sitting under the tree at four in the afternoon. Um, and that's, Are you talking about creating mind maps? Well, it's called the journey method, but it's the same. That's what a mind map is kind of based off of. Um, I, I don't and, like that shit. It, it well, no, no, no. But what hate... you're saying about your reading is, is the exact same thing. Um, it's the exact same thing. This is, this is both the path and the thing you're trying to, re- to remember. And so you're, you're, you're walking through this book yeah. and so it's creating an environment that you remember because you're, you're journeying along it and then you're remembering specific things, right? You don't remember every word in a book, but you remember concepts and facts and figures and stuff, yeah, makes which sense. is tied to the journey. Yes. Oh, that's really beautiful. I love your metaphor. That was amazing. Wow. You really pulled that one together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can understand. Okay. That's cool because I'm reading. I'm reading this book a second time because of how much value I pulled out of it the first time. And I think that I need to reiterate those different points and, and gain a further recognition of the things that I left behind in that roadmap. Cause like this book is actually what inspired me to write my own book. And I think dude, like it's so crazy. Like this guy, how many concepts of beauty and universal truths that he comes out of? Like, like for instance, um, he's talking about how like literally you are, if you realize you're just this moment, then you are infinite possibility. You, me, Obama, Oprah, and a homeless person, we're all the same. We're all just heart and lungs and infinite potential. The only thing that separates you from any human being is your belief in your past story. Other than that, we are all the same. When we stop using our limiting stories or barriers to the outside world and other people, we start to discover an entirely new type of collaboration with life that is effortless, inspired, and open-ended. Yeah, it's good stuff. Dude. Yeah, I think I think I really like I like I really like when people talk about stories, right? Like stories, um, stories you tell yourself, stories in your past, stories about things. That's a really good way to think about things for me because ultimately, you know, um, if you've done any sort of meditative practice and you've arrived at maybe not an answer, but certainly a question as like, what am I? And you know, that that question to me reflects off of itself and, and turns into this expanse of feeling. Uh, or experience and so if i know what that is if i've experienced that and then i i I try and engage in something and 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 find it difficult you know then it it must be 
um, something at a higher level or like a lower level, like a, like a, a less uh, real level that is preventing or making that thing difficult, which could only be some sort of construct, some sort of story, some something made up, right? Because if, if, if everything that isn't what I experienced as my foundation, which is this expansive of, of whatever, it's, it's that question, right? I, who knows if it's a, if it's an answer, um, but, but, but if it's not that, then it must be some, some story, right? It must be a story. So it's an interesting yeah. thing where like, um, you know, if I can return back to the question, um, and then see what arises out of that, you know, there's going to be reactions and other things, but, but if we pose questions to that expanse, generally speaking, um, the, the correct direction is pretty clear. And I think that's a lot about what like the finding directions towards changing stories is for me is, is like taking, um, you know, uh, talking like Paul check likes to talk about it, like talking to your soul, you know, asking your soul, having a conversation with your soul. I think one of the best ones he did was with, uh, like Aubrey Marcus and cause Aubrey Marcus is kind of funny. This was like a couple of years ago. He had one with him where he was talking about talking to your soul and Aubrey Marcus was laughing because, um, I like the way that they put it. I can't remember which of them it was, but but they were like, you know, if you ask your soul a question, if you close your eyes and really get still and get quiet and 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 reflect on consciousness and, and ask your soul a question, you know, you, you're the answer is 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 going to be true, and and you you know it's your soul because you'll laugh, um, <laughs> because your yeah. soul doesn't fuck around and it resonates, you know, mm-hmm. um, and it's interesting. You know, laugh is like a genuine response to the 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 all clear sign. Um, you know, the, the laughter in, in the human organism comes from the, the monkey brain response of signaling that there is no snake uh, out to eat the other monkeys. And, and so when you talk to your soul you're, and you laugh, it's like a cool thing to me to think about the grand picture there, right? That our meat suits interacting with this like ephemeral question of uh, ground of existence that we are. And we, we signal the all clear of danger because we've, we've discovered there's no ego there, right? The snake is just chilling somewhere else (laughs) yes yeah i mean it's such a valuable tool to be able to like speak to your soul and recognize where your thought feeling or action or desire is coming from like i actually again learned that from this fucking book bro (laughs) like in it he's talking about i can't remember the exact words that he uses to describe it because i'm not there for the second time and i forgot but he basically describes using um like a meter within you know like Willy Wonka, bad egg, when she got okay. on the scale and it was, dong, dong. yeah, so you can do that with every single thought that you have. And, and he's actually taught me to like, you close your eyes and you ask yourself the thought and you can tell where the answer is coming from. Is it coming from your diaphragm or is it coming from your fucking forehead? If it's coming from your forehead, you're incorrect and you need to re-ask. <laughs> coming from your your diaphragm then that's correct that's where your soul is pushing you and that's what you need to listen to so interesting and like it's just cool because like there's like a bunch of aspects that i don't know if he gets into that but like the 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 serotonergic system and the 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 microbiome that's like our collective environment that we're like we're we think we're these things right and in parts of us there is that eternal ground of question that we are right but but the this meat suit is is we're like a walking forest you know, like a rain, the <laughs> yeah, most densest yeah. part of the rainforest. And like, yeah. when you say things like it's a gut decision or like, listen to your gut, or if the decision's going from your diaphragm, you're like legit talking about like listening to the frogs that live by the river because they're in tune with the way the river works. 
like it, it's it's like we're legit talking about a collective you know of organisms and the you know and it's like even more tripped out than that because like you know frogs live in a, a rainforest and they partake in the circle of life um of birth and death and and feeding and and pooping and all that stuff and and then it's connected down to the other organisms and then that gets really tripped out because like then you get into mushrooms and the mycelial networks and all these things that connect the trees and stuff. And then oh you, um, <laughs> and then you look at where those things come from and the, the, the fields that we don't know what they are that cause these things to come into existence, the collective uh, vibrations from trees five feet apart that caused a spontaneous eruption of a mycelial mat that connects them um, or mycorrhizal mat that connects them um and so that they can communicate and uh send signals and share nutrients and provide protection um right and that informs the frogs <laughs> all the way up you know and then Fuck. and then like yeah and then you know like and which, it's like which what you're talking about is our gut microbiome specifically which i don't think a lot of people understand that concept of the the analogy that you're making because like i was well, trying to, i was talking to a friend the other day and she was like blah blah, blah 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 all these different things wrong and i'm like it's literally all in your gut microbiome and it's because of what you're eating <laughs> yeah 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 i mean the gut microbiome stripped out it, it's and it's now i think we're at a point now where uh, apparently i've been learning that in the last five years we've we've really um like zach bush talks about this um in a lot of his recent recent podcasts that like we we now know or it's becoming clear that every single tissue in the body has its own microbiome and it's all interconnected and there's nothing, yeah. there's, there's, there's nothing that isn't a microbiome thing host. Um, every part of us is, we used to say that the, the, the guts are like the soil of like for the tree of our organism. Um, but it's now apparent that it, it we are soil. We are, we're just this ever new evergreen cycle thing uh uh and then like there's some maybe like um you know it's very very crazy like um but, but yeah the microbiome you know is in the brain it's in the it's in the body and microbiome is is bacteria it's it's it can be you can put viruses in this group you can put um fungus you can put um uh, mushrooms uh mycelium all sorts of stuff what uh yeast a type of fungus but like um all of that stuff uh it's everywhere. It's in your brain. It's in your blood. It's in your. This is why you don't um, want to wash your hands. Skin. Um, you know, I think. I never you know, wash my hands, bro. Like never. You know, I wash my hands, but I just let my dog put her tongue in my mouth pretty frequently, so I figure it balances out. I cannot stand that shit, bro. It's not my favorite. I don't enjoy it too much, but I know that I'm I'm benefiting. <laughs> uh, I would rather just fucking not wash my hands bro like like yeah. like even when i touch raw meat and stuff like i just like i'll, I'll get the i'll wash it off of the water and, yeah. you know maybe a paper towel but i don't use fucking soap ever yeah yeah unless yeah. my hands I, smell bad i usually use like a natural soap typically i'll use like a bar of soap that's that doesn't have any chemicals in it it's just like beeswax and maybe some other stuff but like mm -hmm. very chill just to get because i don't necessarily i i touch electronics all day every day and it, I, they have to stay clean and if I have fat on my hands it's very difficult and every I'm everything I eat has fat in it and it sticks to my hands so I have to get it off of me see I um, just do this yeah but you probably haven't cleaned your laptop in like a year I actually cleaned it the other day for the first time in five years yeah there you go see I clean every electronic I use like three times a day because um, because I uh, I love them 
<laughs> and I want them to know it. Um, but, um, but you know, like I, I think there's definitely a balance. I think that you know, I, like I don't wash my vegetables typically. If I'm if I'm eating organic vegetables and I see dirt on there, that means I've got I'm, I've lucked out. Like I'm super stoked there's dirt on there because that that humus that um, that's the thing that gives life, man. That's got soil bacteria in it. There's there's a product called Homebiotic by um, uh, Dave Asprey makes it. Um, the guy who runs Bulletproof, but he it's called Homebiotic and it's basically just soil bacteria in a solution. That you can spray in your house, and the cool thing about soil bacteria is they eat um, uh, like infectious mold, like black mold and, and bad strains of mold that are um, parasitic in a in a bad way that are not symbiotic. They eat them, um, and so so you just spray that yeah, shit all over your house. Do you cure it with yeah. mold? Did you yeah. do that? Yeah, I um, need to do that. This this house is kind of doomed. Uh, we're gonna move, but. Um, well, it, it, it's relatively expensive. It's like 30 bucks for a bottle, I think, but it's not, it's not, it's not like, uh, it's, it's not, uh, the the benefits far outweigh it. And it's not like something you have to purchase on a regular basis. Like you purchase it a a couple times a year. You purchase it a couple times a year. You, you do like a one week inoculation for maybe two times a day sprays. Um, and then you just, um, and it doesn't have to be everywhere. Like you just spray it in like, you know, damp areas. Um, and and then you just follow up like you know once every two weeks or something you do a little inoculation and uh and then and then you're good hmm. you but yeah to that? but my my point there was that like soil bacteria are some of the most beneficial things ever like the reason farmers are so healthy is because they put their hands in the ground you know i mean there's there's a bunch of reasons right but i think the prime one of the primary reasons is that um the earth and us like that like i was talking about like the the, the animals in the jungle that are part of like the web of life connected by mushrooms and connected by, you know, energetic fields are, um, we're a part of that too. Not like it, it's analogous to what's happening inside of us, but it's also we're a part of it <laughs> or on a, on a high level uh, beside that micro level. And so like when we're disconnected all the time, that's why, you know, that's why we do, that's what biohacking is, right? Biohacking is a silly word that we had to invent because we forgot that we were earth animals. Um, and you know, it, there's, there's, there's very few biohacks that involve technology that are anything other than doing things that happen if you go camping for a week. Um, you know, uh, and yeah, so it's all about grounding yourself and returning back to ancestral health using technology. Yeah. And so, so yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing. Like the, the soil bacteria though, they, they do so many good things, uh, because they're, they're primary, they're, they're a symbiote with the the huge network that communicates collaboratively which is everything right but like it's specifically the soil right that's the information carrying um substrate of the mycelial networks that communicate between trees to transport nutrients right and so think about uh and and the the soil bacteria their job is one of their the byproducts one of their functions in this beautiful beautiful picture of a painting of, of nature is is to to guard against things like black mold and 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 that's what they do and so like it, there's a bunch of other stuff too right they play a big role in digestive stuff they're they're wonderful to have colonize you um because they serve a big role in digestion and, and cutting down on other harmful bacteria that could um in, in higher concentrations cause uh you know gut dysbiosis or SIBO or something like that and so you take um, you know, homebiotics is a good example, but there's also other stuff like that. The, the product with, uh, from Zach Bush, 
he has uh man i forgot what it's called um it's like biome 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 triome something something but he makes a product that it's like legit soil bacteria it's humus um with the minerals that come in there you know one of the biggest things we have problems with it's it's um you know processed food and lack of nutrients right lack of nutrient dense food disconnection from nature and so like it's legit like electrolytes basically like soil nutrients and uh the soil bacteria and you take that and it's like um there's similar things like fulvic minerals right like uh on it has a good fulvic minerals product mm -hmm. um that's got some cool flavors to it and is stuff that kind and, of why we take himalayan pink salt for it to be a cheap version of that uh i mean it's it's certainly a component there's there's definitely like other things like enzymes and specific strains of um of little critters and stuff that that are in those different compounds that have different effects but like electrolytes are crucial right um i think that probably a good way to think about it is that like way back when in the dawn of time you know like people probably like woke up in the morning and went and um their bodies would tell them if they were deficient and they would probably go drink some brackish water you know that was like super heavy metals super um super heavy in metals not heavy metals um but super heavy in trace minerals and metals and you know maybe it was stagnant and had super high concentrations and there wasn't um it was not diluted um and you take a sip of brackish water and then go drink some normal water and you've now replaced, you know, your electrolytes for, for the month or, or not electrolytes, but all of your trace minerals and all that stuff, all the stuff you, it's harder to get from food, um, calcium, all those things. And so like, you know, I wake up, drink 24, 30, 32 ounces of water with, you know, a big old like, teaspoon, tablespoon of salt in it. Um, and do you like up to a tablespoon, like super, I mean, super salty water. So, I mean, sometimes like, uh, I just wondering like what the proper is. Cause I usually just take my, my pink Himalayan salt and just go sh 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 real quick. Yeah. I mean, I usually coat, I, I like to coat the bottom of the glass. Okay. That's cool. I um, I like it to be salty. It doesn't taste salty to me anymore. Um, so yeah, Mine all my water, had, I put, well, I put salt in all my water. You have to think about it because like, um, th an interesting thing is we think, you know, like, what's the what's the healthiest most nutrient dense vitamin rich food on the planet it's probably like you know beef right like red raw beef um but like readily available right there's obviously superfoods and different things but like um but that's if it was a natural cow on a field living a happy life eating mm -hmm. bugs um you know dancing like cows do they're all like Doo -doo 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 -doo, you know and like um <laughs> that cow would be the healthiest thing. I don't know if those cows exist, right? Those cows are very, I don't know if we have them anymore. It's just, it's just the way that, that we've, we've all cows are domesticated. There's, there's no wild cows. Uh, maybe there's a couple, I don't know, but like there's probably not many that you can buy their meat, right? right. Um, a wild cow meat and we've never heard of some wild cow meat. Um, <laughs> and so I'm not going to get the, the thing you miss out on is, uh, is number one, we cook our food to death, right? So like, so that takes out um, the white juice you see coming out of your meat. That's all the electrolytes coming out. That's potassium, that's your magnesium. Um, that's everything uh, coming out. Now with ground beef, it's a couple of different things and you maybe don't want to uh, drink that. But if you're cooking a steak or something, that juice that you have left is gold. That is legit, the probably the most valuable part of that meat. Um, I because it on top of my meat and eat it with it. Yeah, um, like drink stuff, it, put it on your meat. You're talking about stuff that's left over in the pan, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it's yeah. good stuff. Um, I pour it on my and meat that, and eat it. And, and that's another reason to be careful with temperature, right? Because, like, 
Um, those, those things are pretty hardy, but depending on how you burn the fat that they're sitting in, um, can change the, the value of them to your body. So that's, that's something to consider, but, but yeah, you know, that's, so that's what do you the, mean? The, cook the, it low and slow. Yeah. You know, everything's better low and slow. Obviously we live the hectic lives. We're engaged in these, uh, technological leverage practices we call biohacking and stuff. So it's not always possible, nor is it like, um, what did the, the health nut say the other day in his little seminar? He was like, uh, do it, uh, but don't be neurotic. Uh, <laughs> do as much as you possibly can without going, going neurotic. Um, yes. you know, uh, I think that's very important too. You know, it's very easy to sit there with a meat thermometer and stress out about your food uh, while you're cooking it. And then you've counteracted the, any benefit you're going to get with that food by the amount of cortisol you just produce by cooking it. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> why? So why do you, why do I eat collagen with my meat again? I don't remember. I just do oh, it because you said so. Uh, glycine and methionine are two amino acids that are out of balance in red meat, uh, specifically muscle meat. And so when you add the collagen back in, it brings those back in balance because there's a higher concentration of one of the two. I, I don't know. Uh, I think methionine is the one that's in higher concentrations in collagen, um, but you're balancing that out to glycine because of some of the if you have an over concentration of glycine without the methionine amino acid to balance it out there's some there's some uh, uh, not desirable effects it has in your body um and, and if you're if your primary fuel source is red meat you just want to have that optimized because because red meat uh it does some interesting things right and higher protein does some interesting things as far as like stimulating the growth factors and the genetic pathways that cause growth in your body um and you just want to make sure that's all functioning smoothly interesting do you is it like so say i'm about to have red meat for dinner should i eat the collagen before with or after it doesn't matter um well i mean it kind of depends on how you like stuff to taste personally i love the taste and texture that collagen gives things i it, it's very subtle so like a lot of people will taste it and think it's tasteless but it's not it's got like a really it's got a bone taste it tastes like a bone um and and it's wonderful i love it um, so, um, so I'll put an ice sprinkler on top uh, as soon as my, as, when I'm letting my meat rest after I cook it, I'll throw it on top and it kind of absorbs down into it. Um, and it makes this nice little like pate, like, like crispy layer on top sort of. Mm -hmm. Um, and it gives it actually a cool little texture too. Um, that's what I, I didn't do. like I'll that. I, I tried that. Per so, yeah. so, but, but for purposes of the like biological effects of like the balancing effects that you're trying to achieve from it, it doesn't matter. I mean, protein digestion is about 10 grams an hour. So, I mean, like as long as it's within the same hour that you're eating the steak, you're good. Yeah. Like I mean, For instance, it, you're, you're going to get the same effect sprinkling on top of your steak and eating it as me. For example, I pour it into a glass, like a small glass of water and chug that shit before I eat. Yeah. It doesn't really matter. No. I mean, when you're, when you're thinking about stuff like that, you know, um, the, the biggest thing I like to think about is, is obviously the, the, the results, right? But, but it's also a system, right? You have to think about the system you're building and, and what we're simulating, right? Like what, what's the, what's the reason we're doing this and, and what did it, why is it not happening? Why do I have to hack it? Right. And, and how do I, how do I more, most accurately simulate the system that I'm hacking? Right. What, what used to happen that I'm, I'm pretending to try and get back to. Right. And so like, you know, how did this used to happen? Well, it used to just go off of like a haunch, you know, yeah. or something. 
And so, like, think about it. Like, does it matter what, what order it goes in your mouth? Like, not yeah, really. No. Not really. There's probably some, like, lipid interaction with the uh, the epidermis, right? The skin that's cooked on the meat that's got the collagen in it that's wrapping the, the muscle meat. That probably had some, some interesting stuff. So making sure that your meat is high enough fat content is important. But, I mean, you know, it doesn't really matter. It's so interesting how fat on non-organic beef is fucking disgusting but then when you eat it on organic meat it's just like the most delicious part of the animal yeah that's good it's good that's, stuff that's fucking crazy bro and so so i think i'm more of a like a high protein diet than i am a keto diet honestly like if i'm eating nine grams of protein per scoop of collagen with my steak the amount like my, my it's not my ratios aren't even at 50 50 it's like seventy five percent, eighty percent protein. You you wouldn't be able to function honestly. So like it, it may seem like that, but fat's so dense. You have to keep in mind that a protein, uh, a protein, a, like a gram of protein is four calories, or um, and a gram of fat is nine calories. So um, you can have physically much much less fat, and it can still be way more percentage wise. Interesting. It's so weird taking care of the body, bro. I'm so glad that you got into this. Like, what what made you original? Because you, what made you start eating differently? Because I know you were trying to do the Jainism spiritual thing, but what made you eat differently? Well, I mean, that was it. But I mean, the the thought process behind the whole entire thing, the genesis of it was, I I have to do absolutely everything differently in my entire life, and what's the biggest thing that I can do? <laughs> um, and your what, thought process concluded the way that you nourish your body and so you're like fuck i need to become a vegan it didn't have anything to do with vegan uh i mean nourishing uh that was the thought was basically like okay if i become a jane right um if i abide by their precepts well what what if that's the complete opposite of how i've been living my life or it's not even an opposite it's just not even in the same realm of com there's no comparison it would be a completely different thing, mm -hmm. an entirely new thing. Um, and part of being a Jain is being uh, is following ahimsa, which is nonviolence. Which, by if you follow ahimsa, then you're a vegan or you're a vegetarian. Um, yeah, because... I was having a small argument with a vegan who got that from one of the yoga things, the nonviolence thing. Yeah, but I mean, so that was my that was my thought process, and and then that was beautiful because. Not because I became a vegan. There, that's beautiful too. But that's not the reason that part was beautiful. It's beautiful because I did something different, something I never thought I could have done before. I completely changed my story, and I said, "All right, I'm going to do this." Did I do a great at it? Hell no. But I so that was the, so the reason that you became a vegan was to become a Jane, not to become healthy. It wasn't correct. Correct. The the ahimsa basically um, at a very uh, the the. The, the baby's understanding of ahimsa, well, maybe a baby would understand it better, uh, the, the, the initiate, right? The person who's just coming to Jainism, I, at least in my experience, when I was uh, being initi initiating myself, whatever, into Jainism, um, my understanding was that, you know, um, and there's been some, some famous quotes of, of, of pretty famous philosophers and stuff that were, that were vegan or vegetarian, and it's like, you know, if, if I can think at this level, then, and I... Then, then how could my decision be anything other than to 
even if it's bad for me nutritionally, to sacrifice a little bit of myself to save other feeling entities. Um, That's a fucking thought. Yeah, it's like it's like okay, maybe I won't be nutritionally sound. Maybe I'll lose a little bit. Maybe I'll lose a couple years of my life. Why? They'll lose their whole life. Why? Yeah. If I can think about that, then how can my decision be anything else than to save them? Right? Is it worth it? Is it worth me taking a little hit to save you know potentially thousands, millions of lives? Who knows how many animals I'll eat during my life? Mm-hmm. So, so I mean, yeah, that, that's the that's the thing. Now, there's there's deeper deeper parts of that, right? There's there's monks that eat meat, right? There's 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 people that you know do different things. Um, now I've arrived at a place which I think is more in line with like the, the middle path, the, the Buddhist philosophy, um, which I practice um, compassionate, um, compassionate connection and consumption and engagement, right, with everything that I do. So if I'm eating meat, I'm connected with that meat and grateful for the process. That's what I was, dude, I was, I described that exact same thing to the vegan yesterday. I was like, yeah, I was like the, the eating of the animal doesn't, to me, it doesn't represent a betrayal of the connection that we share. It represents the ultimate connection that we could possibly share. Yeah. I mean, to me, the, man, I don't know. It's such a big thought process. yeah. So yeah, I mean that's what that's what it is to me is, is is consciously engaging with my environment, right? My spirituality is the this beautiful like whatever you see kung fu movies and they're flowing and it's beautiful. Well, that's it's cool seeing it on a screen, but isn't it cooler to do it every time you breathe and speak <laughs> and eat? You know, like and yeah. that's that's my thought is that like and I that's what the middle path is it's it's finding how to exist in this world right because we're here for all for all intents and purposes like um I think there's there's a really deep place that we can get to um and and this is the kind of like the, the non-duality level in which ceases there ceases to be division and we, we we feel the oneness right I think that's that's the base state right but we're here now and I think that's really important right we wouldn't be here if it wasn't important and so I mm-hmm. think that the way to 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 be here with a purpose um, to to fulfill the purpose we're here for is to figure out how to do the kung fu in every movement in every practice that we have. Be practicing with everything. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, the the whole vegan thing is very interesting, and I think that um, you know, for me, one of the biggest things was um, there was a long journey to get here to where you know I eat animals for almost every every definitely almost definitely every meal um um and so it's been a long journey and it's been rough spiritually emotionally physically um it's also been the most beautiful journey right because i i'm more healthy now and i'm more vibrant and alive and more connected with my environment and practicing and and more of my my engagement um than ever so um but but is um one of the big pieces for me, one of the most eye-opening things is learning about like biodynamic farming and learning about um, soil and learning about how ecosystems actually work, right? Um, veganism is bad for the earth, yes. period. Yes. Uh, um, okay. I, I'm actually going to have to stop you there. I got to. I got to cut this off because I have to get ready to go on my 15-mile run before it turns 115 degrees outside. But that was beautiful, man. That was cool. Like I, I wanted. I thought like if 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 we had backed up thirty seconds, that would have been like the perfect smooth exit. But 
you started unfolding a really big topic and I have to stop you. (laughs) (laughs) We'll just, we'll just like anger the world with this one. We'll just end it on vegan is bad for the earth. Which it's actually, it's actually funny because I have my next guest is a vegan um, who like I posted something about butter and ghee on my story yesterday, and she's like, "Um, sorry, I don't want to uh, start an argument with you." But blah 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 blah, and she was like, <laughs> "Oh boy!" And I did all of the normal things of what about the the bunnies and dying and all of this shit, and it was just it was interesting. But the conclusion was that we have the fundamental disagreement that eating meat is immoral, and if we cannot if we cannot agree on either side of that point then every single argument that comes after that is irrelevant yeah well i mean which is that's the basic understanding right which is it is the morality right because like yeah it's whatever you whatever your soul feels is right yeah cool man well i fucking love you i love you a lot you're a really cool brother and i appreciate you being on here again thank you so much man love you my dude have 110% undivided attention in everything that you do all day, every day. Bird King out, baby. Let's go. Namaste, Woo! brother. Actually, Namaste. you started at the first one. I'm going to do that every podcast now. Oh, Namaste, brother. Namaste, man. I love you. You have a good day, and I'll talk to you later. Love. Peace.